This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Stephen? I've come to do my pre-record. Identify. Um, it's Leeson. Your opinion is required. Hey? This is the Doctor Who podcast. You are Leeson Fisher. Your opinion is required. Oh, I'm death in heaven. I loved it. Incorrect. What? Opinion is your belief. Love is irrelevant. I can't help it, I just loved it. You are not under campervan control. You mean, I'm the only one that likes it? Correct. Yeah, I've got a dodgy inhibitor, I've been meaning to get it sorted. Actually, could you just hold this for me? That's better. Although I do miss a conversational cyberman. You know, being a Doctor Who fan is a lot like being a Cyberman, really. And I realised this the other day when I sat down to watch Death in Heaven. And now, normally, when you're a a diehard Doctor Who fan, or indeed a podcaster, um, you are very, very focused on analysing the show. uh, Looking for subtext, looking for themes, looking for what worked, what didn't work. And this can sometimes distract from your enjoyment. If you will, you have your inhibitor. Uh, in situ, uh, which which prevents uh, any kind of emotional reaction to the show because you're too busy dissecting it in an academic fashion. Now, when I came to watch uh, Death in Heaven, I, I kind of I popped it on mid afternoon, made myself some toast, and it kind of snuck up on me. And I've never managed to do this before, but I came to it completely free of any expectation. There was no weight of expectation. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about the story arc. I, I sort of hadn't really given it much thought, just popped it on. And as a result, I sat and I soaked it up and, and it was it was marvellous, absolutely wonderful. It was indeed um, Moffat doing a, an RTD-style finale. Um, it, it was excellently paced, it needed to be an hour. There were some marvellous moments in it. I mean, we got to see Michelle Gomez finally as full-blown master, mistress, missy, whatever she's called now. And wasn't she marvellous? She was absolutely... Uh, incredible, divine, um, marvelous moment when I, I gen—I uh, mean, I genuinely fell for the f- for the Osgood possible companion all of time and space, one fee bucket list, and I was getting really excited. I thought, oh, great, a nerdy companion with asthma. This would be brilliant. It'd be like Liz Shaw all over again because she's clever. And then she died, and it was—it was marvelous. And that needed to be done. We needed to be shown that this master was just as ruthless as any previous incarnation. Just because he was dressed like a mad kind of Mary Poppins thing didn't mean that uh, that he wasn't still a deadly foe. Uh, all that worked very nice for me. It, it, it built up quite nicely. There were lots of nice little jokes, the cloud-based jokes, which could be interpreted as a bit of a pop at the uh, at the cloud-based idea on um, uh, the RTD era. Notes on Michelle Gomez's performance, very, very John Sim-like, only in a dress. Uh, now, 
I didn't really like the John Sim characterization, the, the zaniness. I, did, I didn't feel that it worked, but I do feel that it works with a female, um, which is which is strange. Danny Pink got to become the ultimate soldier and became a Cyberman. That was, um, well, I, I thought he was going to come back. I thought I didn't realise it was going to be the end. So that was quite touching. Um, and if a little bit scary. Um, while we're on the subject of scary, the Cybermen were scary, weren't they? I mean, the, the whole idea of them popping out. You've got to come up with new ideas to have them popping out. Ever since Tomb of the Cybermen, there's got to be a, a, an iconic moment of them popping out. And this is this is definitely up there with them. Um, reminded me a lot of scenes from The Five Doctors with the, the silver hands coming from behind the stones, which was all very nice. Uh, what was it we got? We got the brig. That was very unexpected. A little bit nice, a little bit weird. Kind of a way to get him in the show. Um, oh, what the Doctor resolution. I am an idiot with a box. Just passing through, trying to fix things. Love all that. That was brilliant. Boiling it right down. Giving him the army, making him decide is he a good man. And then him deciding he's just what we all wanted him to be. It's been said in the camper van over the past eight weeks that we just want a guy who breezes in, fixes some problems, disappears again. And it looks like that's what we've got there. Now, there was a very strange resolution to the whole episode, I thought. On first viewing, I thought he was very, very far away from Gallifrey when he opened the doors. And it was that little speck in the distance. And it was there, and then he was quite upset and emotional. And they went back, and uh, he told Clara this, and he was going to settle down. She lied to him that Danny was there to make him feel better about going away. They were both... But I think they were both doing the same thing. I don't think Gallifrey was there. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, I've watched it two or three times now. And I think Gallifrey isn't there. I think the Doctor is just using that as... Uh, he's, he's gifting that to Clara so that she has a, an escape route so she can settle down with Danny. Little does he know, Danny is dead. No face resolution, though. What a, who frowned him this face? I mean, is that going to be a, a, a whole tenure arc? I, I, re- I really hope we get a little thing, just a little tie-up. I mean, why bother bringing it up in the first episode? Maybe it's a Moffat seed. And finally, um, the reoccurrence of the Doctor Who lead actor hair phenomenon. Um, I noticed it when they did the cut back to the Am I a Good Man scene from episode two, I believe, uh, and to the present day. And uh, Capaldi's hair has already started to get a bit bushier. He's beginning to get an ego all of its own. And it happened with Tennant. Eccleston didn't get a chance, and it happened with Matt Smith. The hair becomes the part, and then by the time the hair has become the part, it's time for the part to go to someone else. Speaking of going to someone else, uh, probably got to go to someone else right now. Um, I hope that was a bit more positive than what I gather the general consensus is in the camper van, but it's good to have um, opposing consensi. Yes, I have just made that up. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't be there this week. Unfortunately, work has dragged me away. But I did want to do a bit of a pre-record for this one because some of you out there like to hear what I have to say. Um, not many of you, but some of you, and I thank you for that. 
but I wanted to share with you the comments I sent to James on Facebook pretty much straight after watching the preview early this week. And I'll sanitise them slightly because I was quite upset at the time, but uh, this is pretty much what I had to say about um, this episode. This has to be the biggest load of nonsense I've seen in a long, long time. Magic-ridden nonsense. I was kind of with it up to the last 15 minutes or so, then it just totally, and I really mean totally, blew it. Turning emotions off with Danny, okay, I'm, I'm with that. I'm happy with that. But then having them turned off and Danny still being able to do what he had to do, presumably due to the power of love. I mean, are we back to closing time again, are we? I mean, that was absolute nonsense. The episode might have got away with it if it didn't then layer on even more disrespectful nonsense by having a cybernized brigadier. This not only disrespects the memory of the late, great Nicholas Courtney, but I have visions of Moffat standing over his grave, just laughing, laughing and laughing. This isn't a homage. This isn't a tribute. This is Moffat saying, I don't care. It it was so strange because earlier in the episode, we had that wonderful little nod to Courtney with his portrait in the aircraft. I thought, oh, that, that was beautiful. That was fantastic. But then at the end, to do this, I mean, what is Moffat thinking? It, it's just beyond disrespectful. It is beyond anything I, I, I just know how to describe. After seeing that bit of footage, I'm embarrassed to be a Doctor Who fan right now. I really am. This is the Moffat era's end of time. If if anything else he's ever done, this should be the end of Moffat's time. It really should. How do we get from empty child to death in heaven? What has happened? What has happened to Stephen Moffat? What has happened to the show that we end up with this point? Stephen Moffat was supposed to be the saviour of the show. And for many years he was. He wrote some of the most fantastic stories ever written. But then we get Cybernized Brigadier. I, I don't understand it. The whole Missy Master was a total embarrassment. I think I understand what Moffat was trying to do. He was trying to go that notch beyond the Sims craziness. But what we ended up with was essentially just the Joker in drag. One thing that I've heard, that it's fantastic that the uh, Master is now a female because there's no way they'll do this with the Doctor now because all they have to do is point to these two stories and go, well, that's what happens when you do it. The Doctor is a male. He always will be. And thanks to this story, he will be. There's one thing we have Moffat to thank for. And Puffer Girl, you know, the one working for Unit, what a waste. Turned her from being like a you know, a wide-eyed, smart scientist to, in Capaldi's terms, the stupidest ape on the planet with what she did with Missy slash Master. Why was she even there if she was just there to get killed? What's the point? How was Danny able to counteract the effects of cybernisation? How was the Brigadier able to? 
He's probably been in the ground for 20 years at this point. How could this happen? They, they keep it going. You know, we finally end the story and we thought, okay, we'll finally get to a end of season resolution where at least they might get back to some normality. But no, we have to have Danny Pink, otherwise known as God, bringing a child back from the dead. <laughs> what What is this show trying to do? What What is happening? I don't understand anymore. And they still continue on with this dribble in the graveyard with the soldier officer nonsense between Danny and the Doctor. I still don't get where Danny is coming from. Does he still have a chip on his shoulder about this, even after he's dead, even after he's cybernized? Danny, even if you're a cyberman, you need to put your head in, mate. You're wrong. And the Doctor's speech at the end about, I'm neither a good man or a bad man. That's probably as close as I'm going to be satisfied with all the naysayers that said, well, you know, the Doctor really is a bad man, he's killed lots of people and blah, 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 blah. No, this is the Doctor. And Capaldi's admission at the end of this story is probably the closest I'm going to get to a resolution that, no, the fans are wrong. He really is a good guy. Or let's just maybe say he's neutral. Let's not go down the good or bad path. I I, I was really hoping after the lacklustre... Um, build up to this story in Dark Water that we would end up with a strong last episode. I really hope that the normal situation with you know season enders, multiple part stories would be flipped, and that's what I said during our review of Dark Water. But what we got was probably one of the worst, if not the worst, story of the Moffat era. It was terrible. It was awful. And there are people out there that, that are going to say this was a fantastic resolution. This was a wonderful way to end the Clara Danny story. No, it's not. I'm tired of spending reviews of the Doctor podcast sitting there talking about relationships and emotions and, oh my goodness, what, what are these characters going to do now? You know, they've fallen out of love or in love or... I'm sick of it. I'm fed up with it. I want to talk about what's happening in the story with the Doctor fighting baddies. I'm tired of spending multiple episodes talking about relationships and feelings. Death in Heaven is not Doctor Who. It's as far removed from Doctor Who as you possibly could think. Certainly the last 20 minutes are anyway. Episode kind of had me fine. I mean, I was happy to accept that the Master slash Mistress had modified the way Cybermen work and that they could then infiltrate dead bodies via nanotechnology via the rain i was happy with that but everything from then on just lost me especially the nonsense with the doctor becoming president of earth they set up an entire policy philosophy that counted on the doctor actually being there at the right time i I don't understand any sane person or government even thinking that what if the doctor wasn't there what did they do now And to then still jump into an airplane and fly away when the entire unit personnel had seen Cybermen flying with jetpacks. That they still put the President of Earth into an airplane thinking that he's going to be safe. Obviously they never read the script. I didn't need to read the script but I still figured it out. (laughs) This I'll I'll stop rambling because this story annoys me in so many ways. It's a terrible ending 
to the season. I, I can see what Moffat's doing, that he's trying to do something a little bit different, that he doesn't want really solid season-long arcs. And even all the flashbacks in this episode didn't really form a cohesive whole. I still don't understand the whole reason why the mistress slash master put Clara and the Doctor together. That scene in the airplane hold didn't explain it. It really didn't. There will be fans out there that will say, yes, it did. But no, it didn't. I've listened to it half a dozen times, and it doesn't. There's no reason why the master slash mistress put those two together. There's no logical reason. All in all, a disappointing end of the season, and it looks like we're in for more hand-wringing and emotions and feelings and (sighs) scripts devoted to lost loves in the Christmas special. I'm not looking forward to it. So, here are my thoughts on the last two stories of Season 8 of Modern Who, Dark Water and Death in Heaven. I thought Dark Water was average, okay, not the best story ever, not a bad story, just sort of okay, they had some good moments and some bad moments. I do agree the themes were far too dark for a family audience, and I know that it's on a kids' show, but it is a show that includes appeal to kids, and I thought those themes were way, way, way too dark And we had to explain to my eight-year-old what cremation means. And explaining cremation in the context of after you're dead, you still feel it was a really nasty conversation to be having. And I'm not surprised he's been having sort of bad thoughts about it since. So not impressed with that. Moving on swiftly, because there's something more I want to talk about, to Death in Heaven. Meh. I didn't hate it. Didn't depress me. I just thought it was meh. It's okay. Nothing great, nothing bad. It was just an episode. I thought the Cybermen were woefully underused yet again because they really they didn't do anything at all. There was like one scene where they were at all good, which is when Clara was tricking them. All the rest of the time, they were just sort of, you know, Monster of the Week mannequins really doing nothing. In fact, they spent half the stories blowing themselves up for no readily discernible reason. So horrible story for the, the Cybermen. Didn't like the Brigadier Cybermen. Didn't like the Love Conquers All ending. But, you know, I didn't hate it. I just came away from it a bit flat, really, thinking, well, that's it for till Christmas. Wish it could have been a bit better, but not, not a terrible episode. The thing I really wanted to talk about, though, and the reason I wanted to do this pre-record, was the subject of the female master and what it means for the broader Who canon. Now, I want to get this out there straight away. I have no problem at all with the female master. I have no problem at all with the female doctor. I think it's perfectly accepted within canon. Shows change itself enough times. It's been seeded before. It's a reasonable thing to do. I see no reason it can't happen. And I don't think, moving outside of the story, I don't think that the character would suffer for it. I don't think it would undermine the Doctor's presence to be a female any more than it should undermine the Master's presence to a female. But I have one really big caveat around all this. And that's that while I think that the character can support it, and I think the show can support it, I'm not convinced that the writers can. And I've always been concerned about this, that if they did do a female doctor, 
the character might be brilliant, but the, the, the story writers might do bad things with it. And there's where my concern sits. And to be honest, our first outing into this territory with the female master has pretty much confirmed my concerns. There is a, a test, an informal test that is done of media called the Bechdel test, which is whether it is sexist or not. And basically the, the premise is you can get any piece of media and say, are there two female characters who talk to each other and do they talk about anything other than a man? So do they have independent lives and independent plot arcs separate from the male characters in the story? And it's surprising how many films, even to this day, still fail, fail this very basic, simple test. It's a crude test, don't get me wrong, I know it's, there's some nuances to it, but many, many stories fail this test. And that's the kind of context that I was looking at the Martha's character in, in Death in Heaven in particular. One of the first things that happens when she encounters the Doctor is she kisses him. So she's immediately moving into a romantic role with the Doctor and an almost subservient role with the Doctor. And it's a very troped, cliched role for a female character to play, particularly a modern Doctor Who. And then as we go along, we discover that the whole motivation for the Martha's character was to give things to the Doctor and to make the Doctor important and to give an army to the Doctor and to somehow gain his appreciation or gain his understanding. Or It was all about him. All of her motivation was about him. And that is one of the fundamental problems with female characters in so many films and TV shows, even, say, to this day, when we're supposedly in more enlightened times, is that the female characters all revolve around the male characters. And the reverse isn't generally true. And we even got to the point where it turns out that the master put the Doctor together with Clara. So you've got a female character with another female character, and all they're, all they're doing is about the Doctor. And I know he's the centre of the story, and you know, you'd expect the story to revolve around him. But I just thought for the first outing of this concept of taking an alien character that's supposedly male and turning them into supposedly female, the female version drops immediately into sexist cliches and tropes. And I thought it was a shame. I thought it was a shame. I thought it undermined the master's character. And instead of going out for his her own ends and for their own domination, they immediately made themselves subservient to what they thought the doctor wanted. And actually, I thought it was a shame for female characters in media. I thought it was an underselling of what a female character could bring. And that sort of brings me full circle to my concerns about a possible female doctor in the future. I think it could be done. I think it should be done. I think it could be brilliant. But not if they instantly fall into cliched sexist tropes of how a female character would behave. And suddenly the doctor becomes you know, a female character that's being starry-eyed over some male and, you know, it all becomes about their feelings for that. And that would be a very, very easy trap for the writers to fall into. And they just fell into it with the master. And that's what I don't want to see. So I'm hoping that with a couple more years, perhaps there'll be a touch more enlightened and maybe we can avoid that. Now I'm just looking forward to a stonking Christmas episode to make up for what has, for the most part, been a fairly meh kind of a year for me. Thank you and good night. (laughs) 